Welcome everyone and praise the Lord. I am Marianne Skrobiak, the liaison for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. It is with great joy and trust in the Lord that we bring you this Pentecost live streaming event from Chicago. This is brought to you by both the Catholic Charismatic Renewal as well as Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network. We welcome all joining us today on Facebook and on YouTube. Many of you are aware that the day of reflection scheduled for March 21st had to be postponed. And we were so happy to be able to book Dr. Mark Nemo for today. Allow me to introduce a friend to the renewal and our speaker, teacher, worship leader for today. A man full of the Holy Spirit who serves the Lord faithfully in all that he does, Dr. Mark Nemo. Mark comes from Ghana in West Africa. He is married to Mercy and they have three daughters. Mark earned a master's in pastoral studies from Catholic Theological Union in May 2006 and an ecumenical doctor of ministry in May of 2012. He currently serves as director of faith formation at St. Columbanus Church and Augustus Tolton Catholic Academy, both in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Through his involvement in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, Mark has ministered in over 40 countries worldwide on all continents. For a period of 10 years, Mark served as the representative for all Anglophone African countries on the International Catholic Charismatic Renewal Services, formerly called ICRIS, at the office in the Vatican. Mark spent six months on the island of Malta for his discipleship training school with the International Catholic Program of Evangelization in 1990. After his training, he spent two years as a lay missionary in Uganda, East Africa, working in discipleship training schools at the Emmaus Center and doing ministry to people with HIV AIDS. We are truly blessed to have Mark share with us today. Please extend your hands from wherever you are as we call upon the Holy Spirit to anoint him with power and proclaim today's word. Adia Murakataria Shandariara Torakomarakata, O Papapariara Torakoma Shandaria Shandariara Torakomaria, Uriara Toshiara Totia. We know that the Lord is coming with new power, new fire for us. We pray this all in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and Amen. Please welcome Dr. Mark Nemo. Well, 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 wasn't that a powerful time of worship? Wasn't that a beautiful time of praise? Let's give God some more praise. Thank you, Jesus. Give him praise. Give him honor. Give him thanks. He's worthy of all our praise. So thank you once again. A shout out to CCRC uh, in Milwaukee, the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Uh, thank you to Marianne. Thank you to Kent. Thank you to Brian. And all those who have made this possible want to thank you, especially Father Matt O'Donnell, uh, the pastor of our parish here at 
St. Columbanus Church. Uh, he's going to be the main celebrant of our Mass after, after I finish preaching. And uh, we, we just thank God. We just thank God for this day. What a gift. What a gift to have Pentecost upon us right now. Uh, in, in a special way, I just, I just like to, just after this shout out, simply say, uh, this, this is how I like to do this teaching. Okay. Uh, first, let me begin with some introductory remarks, if you like. Introductory remarks. And uh, the theme for this whole session is living as a current of grace. Living as a current of grace. So in the introductory remarks, what I want to do is I want to just explain a little bit. Like what on earth is this theme about? What does it mean to live as a current of grace? And I want to submit to you that it's about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if you want, if you like a summation of what this living as a current of grace is about, it's about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now when you hear the word baptism, probably you're tempted to think, is it a new sacrament? And we all know there are seven sacraments, but has there been a new sacrament introduced? The answer is no. Okay, so, so the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a new sacrament. Then what is it? It is rather a conscious experience of the graces already received in the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. So I'll repeat that again. So. It's, if you like, a conscious experience of the graces already received in the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. Okay? So, if you like, it's a little bit like a fanning into flame. Like St. Paul writes to Timothy in second letter of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. Paul tells young Timothy, he says, Hence I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which you received when hands were laid on you. Okay? Because he says, the spirit that you received is not a spirit of cowardice. It's not a spirit that makes you timid. But rather, it's the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. In certain versions, he said, and of self-control. Okay. So you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I explained that already. In baptism and in confirmation, when the bishop, right, mentioned your name and said, be sealed with the Spirit, we received, if you like, a greater fullness of the Spirit. One of my confirmation candidates said, so we get like turned up. It's like we have the fire of the Spirit, but then we get turned up at confirmation. So we've received everything of the Spirit. And the baptism in the Spirit is like fanning into flame what already exists in our lives. Okay? Another introductory remark I'd like to give is that 53 years ago, that was in 1967, there is what became known as the Duquesne Weekend in Pittsburgh. There's a Spiritan University there, and there was a faculty and students of this university had a weekend retreat preparing for Pentecost and something amazing happened. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
and that became the beginnings of what is now known as the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in the church. But three years ago, we celebrated 50 years of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And currently it's estimated there are about 120 million Catholics who have experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit. 120 million. That means they have become conscious of what already exists in them and they're living it out. There's something unique about this baptism in the Holy Spirit because it's worldwide. It's spread across the world. Many countries, many people, across many cultures, languages, people of, of different backgrounds, the rich, the poor, have all experienced this. Uh, I can testify to this because I've been to about 45 countries in the world and uh, I've seen this happening to many people in the remotest of villages and in big cities. What is unique about this experience is that it's touched the laity, it's touched the clergy, it's touched the religious, it's touched married people, it's touched single people, it's touched young people, it's touched old people. Okay? So this is very, very important. What do we mean by this baptism in the Holy Spirit? That's what we're talking about. It's like living this current of grace. And there's a beautiful book here, you know, that I really would like you to, to take a look at, okay? If you get a chance. It's written by Killian McDonald and George T. Montague, okay? It says, Christian Initiation and Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Very, 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 very beautiful book. And what they try to kind of explain here is that this baptism in the Holy Spirit was normative in the church within the first eight centuries. Baptism in the Spirit was normative in the church and it was connected to the sacraments of initiation. So that's, that's a beautiful book there that you want to really, if you want solid theological what, foundations to understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is one book that you can, if you like, look at. So it was normative. But what happened after the 8th century until this time, okay? So what I hope to accomplish in this talk. First, I'll give a personal witness. Hmm? I'll tell you how I came to experience the baptism in the Spirit. And then I also hope to kind of, in a very brief way, uh, go to the biblical texts, okay? And explain what this baptism in the Holy Spirit is about. And then... Uh, thirdly, I'd like to mention three key implications uh, or three effects of this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Namely, when you're filled with the Spirit, one, you are able to cry out, Abba, Father. So that's one effect. You're able to cry out, Abba, Father. Number two, you're able to cry out, Jesus is Lord, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, you're able to cry out, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha is a Greek expression which means come Lord Jesus. And then finally, what I'm going to try to do is we're going to pray. We're going to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you and upon I today. Okay, good. So personal witness. Let me begin with a personal witness. 
Uh, my name is Mark Nemo. Like I've been introduced, uh, I come from a family of seven children, right? And I'm the fifth child. So I have four sisters and two brothers, right? My parents were very faithful Catholics. They, they were married for 57 years before my father passed away a couple of years ago, right? So, uh, so I grew up in a Catholic home. We weren't what you call nominal Catholics, no. My parents were serious about practicing the faith. So when I was two weeks old, I was born on the 8th of April, 1964, I was baptized on the feast of St. Mark the Evangelist. That is why I'm called Mark, right? So I believe at my baptism, like I mentioned, sacrament of initiation, I received the Holy Spirit, right? Then I grew up, eight, by eight years old, I received my first Holy Communion. When I was 13, I was confirmed. Again, an outpouring of the Spirit. And then I was taken to a boarding school, right? Not because I was a bad boy, but because that was normal from where I come from, Ghana. You went to a boarding school for high school. So you went into high school at 13. We used to do seven years of high school. So before college, you would be like 20 years old. So seven years of high school. So my, my father took me to this high school, very prestigious, St. Augustine's. That was his high school as well. But when I went to high school, things began to change, right? Because there was this campus, there were these bigger boys. They were involved in everything, sports, karate. I mean, talk about it. And I just wanted to experience everything. So I joined the karate club. I was doing Shotokan, the martial arts called Shotokan. This is at the age of 13. Nothing wrong with karate. Art of self-defense. But what I told myself was, I wanted to be ready, just in case I had to use it. Okay, so karate. By the age of 15, I joined the school rock band, okay? So we had a rock band in the school. We were 14, 15 year olds, and we were rocking like crazy. I mean, we, we even ended up on national TV in Ghana, okay? So what was happening was I was beginning to what? Seek fame, okay? By the age of 17, right? It was like wrong relationships because I started to realize that, hey, I'm attracted to this girl, and I'm attracted to that girl, and that girl. So I'll say, I love you, and I'll tell this one, I really love you, and tell the other one, I really, really love you. Who did I really love? Me. Okay. So this went on, and I'm living my Catholic faith, and living this other double, if you like, life as well. By the time I turned 18, a lot of things started happening. Started partying, going to the nightclubs, and that meant that I had to do some drinking. And sometimes, I'm ashamed to say, I was drunk. Drunk, drunk, binge drinking, right? And with that then came in other things. So I started smoking tobacco, started living a life of promiscuity, but God was patient with me. Let me bring the story to a close very quickly. So by the age of 20, just before I went to college, one of the many girls that I was going out with comes to me and says, I'm pregnant. 
And I knew I was responsible, but I wasn't ready to be a father. What came upon me was fear. What came upon me was shame. What came upon me was guilt. What if my father gets to know? What if my mommy gets to know? What if my other girlfriends get to know? So folks, I was in a crisis. And so she says, let's get rid of the baby. That meant we had to go to a clinic and have an abortion. I was afraid, but because I wanted to cover my sin, I took her to the clinic. She was examined and we were given an appointment to come and have the procedure. Could I go? Could I sleep at night? I was disturbed, I was confused. Nothing worked out for me. And then I started contemplating suicide. But it was in the midst of this crisis that thank God for my parents who took me to church. I never missed mass. So after mass one day, a woman, a middle-aged woman in my parish, her name was Joan. She walked up to me and she smiled. I knew she had joy. And what she asked me was, would you like to come for a prayer meeting? I had no clue what she was talking about. She invited me to a Catholic charismatic renewal prayer meeting. And I went to this meeting. There were about 11 or 13 people sitting there, praising God, lifting up their hands. I sat in the back, sad, because you know what was going on in my life. I was disturbed, contemplating abortion or suicide. But I went back the following week because there was joy there. There was something tangible. When those people prayed, it felt like they had had breakfast with Jesus. These were Catholics, but they knew the Lord. Their lives weren't perfect. One of them actually I knew had an 11-year-old daughter who was dying of leukemia. But they still praised God. And then they started what they called a life in the spirit seminars. These are teachings that prepare you to do what? To receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people have described it as a release of the Holy Spirit. It's like the Spirit is there, but it's released when hands are laid on you and pray, you're prayed for. And so as I started to go through this, it spoke about the love of God, salvation, the Lordship of Jesus, receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As I'm sitting there, I just felt I gotta go for confession. Because I hadn't gone for confession for about eight years. So I went for confession. The priest absolved me. And he told me for my penance to go tell my parents what I had done. Do you think that was easy? I felt like the prodigal son coming back home. But thank God I did. I wasn't kicked out of the house. What happened was my baby was born. And so that daughter that was born is now 35 years old. I didn't commit suicide. After the seminars, hands were laid on me and I experienced this new life. Yes, I had a baby, but there was nothing like I was defined by my past. My shame had been nailed on the cross by Jesus. He had forgiven me. And one week after they laid hands on me, and prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was asleep, woken up about 2 a.m. at night, wide awake, felt this urge to pray. So I knelt by my bed 
And as I knelt down, I started to sing the song, He is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. As I was singing the song, I just felt like tears running down my face. I was overwhelmed with this emotion. I started trembling. And before you realize, I started praising God in tongues, in a kind of language I had never spoken before. This was the gift of tongues. From that time, I realized I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had received what? A release of this gift that was already there because sin had been taken care of, re removed, and then this gift of the Spirit was able to be manifested in me. So this is my personal experience. And for the past 35 or 36 years, I've been walking with the Lord. Thank God for His grace and for His mercy. This is what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, a release of the graces that already exist. So that's the first part, my personal witness. Now let's get to the biblical text, if you like. Hmm? A biblical text. And I, I, could, I, could, I could go through a lot of scriptures pointing to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But for today, I'm going to limit myself to Matthew's account. Okay? So Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, we read from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This is John the Baptist uh, as he, he preached and as he baptized people. Listen to what he says. John chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I am baptizing you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Matthew gives us a hint from John the Baptist that he's baptizing you with water for repentance. Jesus is coming and he's the one who will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. St. Luke uses the same kind of expression in Luke chapter 3 verse 16 where he also speaks, John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now when you go to the other two Gospels, Mark and John, they only say he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Mark chapter 1 verse 8, John says, huh? one greater than I is coming. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't add fire. The same thing with John chapter 1 verse 33. I baptize you with water. One is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Why the difference? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So Matthew and Luke kind of look at this baptism in the Holy Spirit with fire as a form of a way that God brings judgment. Okay. Because if you read Malachi, it says in the days to come, God will send out fire okay, to separate what is right and what is wrong. Okay. So there's this element of chastisement. There's this element of judgment that comes 
with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, so this is very beautiful. Now, so Matthew speaks about, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And now let's go to Acts chapter 1. This is written by Luke, verse 4 to 5. So John the Baptist said, he who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus is now speaking after his resurrection, before his ascension. And what does Jesus say in Acts chapter 1, reading from verse 4 to 5? He says, while meeting with them, he enjoined them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. All right? About which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So now it's Jesus who is speaking. Huh? Jesus, whom John the Baptist had said already in Matthew's gospel, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He reminds the apostles about what John said. And he says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That means Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And that in a few days that Jesus said, turned out to be the day of Pentecost, right? So if you continue to read in Acts chapter 2, from verse 1 to 11, it simply says, they were gathered in one place at prayer. And then there was the noise of the wind that filled the whole house. And then tongues as of fire came and settled on each one of them. Brothers and sisters, this is so profound. It's a bit like when God wants to show up, there are these preparatory signs, okay? So, so it's like the mighty rushing wind they heard. That's an experience of the senses. And then they saw the tongues of fire. Now, this was to prepare the way for what was going to happen. And then it says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the promise Jesus spoke about. And so what is this baptism in the Holy Spirit? That filled 120 who were gathered in the upper room. It means they made a conscious experience of the love of God like never before. So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means you're filled with the love of God. St. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that hope will not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Okay? Now, if the Holy Spirit is given to us, it means we must receive the Holy Spirit with gratitude. Right? We must receive the Holy Spirit with gratitude. And, and isn't that beautiful? So, this love of God hmm, has been poured into our hearts. And I want to submit to you that in baptism, you and I receive this love. That's why I have this pitcher of water here. And I want to demonstrate to you what this is about. Baptism, right? We received 
this gift of the love of God. A baptism was like this love of God was poured, poured into our hearts. Right? Full measure, the love of God. Now for many of us in our lives, you know how we speak about the glass is half empty or half full? It's like we've been filled with the Spirit, but what happens is we say, I'm alright. See, those baptized in the Spirit, the experience is different. If you're baptized in the Spirit, you know there is always more. Did you hear me? Those baptized in the Spirit realize there is more. That God ain't finished with you. God wants to pour and pour more of His love hmm? so that we overflow. I wish I could, I, could, I could do this well for you to see. Look at this, okay? So, so, so the idea here is that God pours His love again and again and again. This glass is filled, but when you are baptized in the Spirit, you are so docile. You are so humble. You are so thirsty. You are so hungry. And this is basically what is happening. Now, do, do you see the overflow? So that we can overflow. Now, there's a bowl down here that is receiving the overflow. If I pour this again and again and again, it's going to overflow, 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 and even fill that bowl and start overflowing onto this floor. And guess what? Anybody else who is around can be touched by this overflow. So this is what a baptism in the Holy Spirit does. We open ourselves up to God. He continues to pour more of His gifts. It's not enough just at, at baptism and confirmation. We need a constant what? flow of this love of God. A preacher once said, do you know why we need the Holy Spirit to flow again and again? It's because we leak. No, you didn't hear me. It's because you leak and I leak. And because we leak, we need constantly an overflow, right, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are you receiving today? This is what we are talking about here. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is this overflow, this gift of God that He pours out again and again and again and again. So when we speak about living as a current of grace, hmm, this can, it's a scripture that we can see from John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. So open to that scripture with me. John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. It says, on that last day of the great feast, right? Jesus stood up and cried out. On the last day of the great feast, this is John chapter 7. Jesus stood up and cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Did you hear that? Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And it says, Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from his or her heart. If you believe in me, he says, rivers of living water will flow from his or her heart. And then John adds a commentary. He says, he was referring to the Holy Spirit, which at that time had not yet come because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has been glorified. 
Because as he died on the cross, as he rose from the dead, as he ascended to the Father, he was glorified. And together with the Father, they sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been sent upon the church, upon all the baptized, so that rivers of living water. No, you didn't hear me. The Holy Spirit has been given so that what? Rivers of living water can begin to what? Can begin to flow again and again. So out of your heart, out of your heart and my heart, if we are baptized, what's going to be happening is that rivers have got to be flowing. A current has got to be flowing. Hmm? That's what we mean by living as a current of grace. And I like to give you an example. You know I come from Africa. I like to give you an example of, of, of what this is about. In many African villages, right, sometimes the villagers have to walk about five miles, six miles to the river every day, probably several times a day to fetch water. And you often see the pictures, they are carrying these in pitches, buckets of water, bowls, five miles in, five miles out. Okay, good. Now, sometimes through, through the benevolence of some people, especially in Italy, who look at the plight of these villages and then they bring machines okay, to, to, to drill a borehole within the village. Okay, now they, they do these calculations and they begin to see where the water table is. I don't know if many of you know what the water table is, but beneath us, huh, in the earth, there is water. If you dig deep enough, you're going to touch water. But because these engineers have these machines, they start to drill. It's a bit like oil drilling, right? They start to drill, drill, drill. They hit maybe 50, 100 feet. And then suddenly, water gushes forth. Water gushes forth in the village. Now, all throughout the night, when this happens, the villagers never sleep. There is drumming, there's dancing. They're excited. Why? Because they no longer have to walk for five miles to fetch water in the river and back. Can I tell you something? Did you know that this village was sitting on the water table? They have literally water underneath them. But they were walking every day. Where, where's, where's my picture? Yeah. They would walk every day to the river, carry these buckets of water back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But through technology, once the water table was broken and a pump was fixed on it, you should see these villages. This water is clean, this water is healthy, and they no longer have to go walking. Brothers and sisters, this is the experience of many of us. In baptism, we have received the Spirit, like I said. So what do you think I'm getting at? The water table must be broken. For many of us, there is the water table that is blocking this river that Jesus spoke about to flow out. This is what Pope Francis reminded the leaders of the renewal in 2014, 2015. 
in many of his addresses, he told them, what is this renewal? Listen to Pope Francis. He says, it is a current of grace in the church and it is intended by God to benefit the whole church. Did you hear me? It's a current of grace in the church intended by God to benefit the whole church. He says it is a flow or current. And when Pope Francis is speaking about this, this is not something original of Pope Francis. In fact, he was quoting from Cardinal Sunens. Those of you who are familiar with the charismatic renewal, Cardinal Sunens was a cardinal from Belgium who was appointed by Pope Paul VI, if you like, to be the pastor of the Catholic charismatic renewal for several years. And on Pentecost Monday in 1975, Pope, uh, uh, Cardinal Sunens gave a homily in St. Peter's Basilica. And this is what he said. He said this. He said, the first error that must be avoided is including the charismatic renewal in the category of a movement. It is not a specific movement, he says. Renewal is not a movement in the common sociological sense. It does not have founders. It is not homogeneous. And it includes a great variety of realities. Brothers and sisters, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit manifests in different ways. And the Holy Spirit is not limited by our theologies and by the things that we think the Spirit can do. Jesus told Nicodemus, the Spirit blows like a wind. You don't know where it's coming from, where it's going. This is what Cardinal Sunens is saying. It includes a great variety of realities. And then he says, it is a current of grace. A renewing breath of the Spirit for all members of the church. Here we go. The laity, religious, priests, and bishops. He says, it is a challenge for us all. One does not form part of the renewal. I repeat that. Cardinal Sunan says, one does not form part of the renewal. Rather, the renewal becomes a part of us, provided that we accept the grace it offers, unquote. See, so there are many of you watching who probably for years have said, oh, I'm part of the renewal. I'm part of the renewal. No, no. Cardinal Sunen says, it's not so much that you are part of the renewal, but what is happening is that the renewal rather becomes part of you. That means your whole life is full of what? This, this perpetual renewal, ongoing conversion. And this is what it's about, brothers and sisters. Isn't this good news? So this whole baptism in the Holy Spirit is a current of grace. Cardinal Sunen says, okay, now I get to my third point, implications of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What are the effects of this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Like I mentioned, number one, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through to 17. St. Paul says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
And then he says, if you are led by the Spirit of God, this Spirit cries within us, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. To be baptized in the Spirit means you know you are loved. It's like I'm loved by God. Brothers and sisters, this is amazing to come to this experience that says I'm loved by God. Unconditional love of God. That's why I said to be baptized in the Spirit is to be filled with the love of God. It's like grace and mercy have set me free. Listen to what John says in his prologue. John chapter 1 verse 16. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And Paul continues in Romans 8, 14 through to 17. He says, if, 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 he says we are no longer slaves. Okay, if we're sons and daughters of God, we, we don't submit to slavery because we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That is very, very powerful. Now, when you get baptized in the Spirit, brothers and sisters, this is what happens to you. You suddenly begin to realize God is an ally. God is not an enemy. God is seeking the best for you. God is love. He wants the very best for you. So you heard my story. That even in my mess, even in my crisis, even in my sin, I knew that I wasn't defined by my past. I wasn't defined by the things I had done. If it was for the law alone, right, I had to be condemned. But Jesus came, right, and stood in my place and died for me. So for those baptized in the Spirit, it's a challenge between the law and the love of God. And all we are saying is that the mercy and the love of God has cried out, Abba, Father. Now, I know my, my dad was a loving father, right? Told you he was married to my mom for 57 years. I had a great bond with my father. But the love that I experienced from God as my father Nothing can be compared to that. And that is the love that those baptized in the Spirit are able to speak about. Yes, our lives are messed up, broken, but we know we have a Father in heaven, Abba Father. That's number one. Number two, the Spirit in us cries out, Jesus is Lord. This is what you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Now let me remind you that when you speak about the Lordship of Jesus in your life and my life, it has a lot to do with control. Did you hear me? Now I know as I speak to you, there, there, there aren't any control freaks amongst you. Okay? Who is in control? Who is in charge? Who calls the shots? Because in that world of the first century, it was Caesar who called himself Lord. Kaiser Curios, he would say. He demanded worship. But for the Christians of that time, it was Jesus Curios. Jesus is Lord. It meant that not wealth, not power, not pleasure, not prestige could be the Lord. St. Thomas Aquinas calls these the four substitutes. Because sometimes these are the things that come to take the place of God 
and we worship these things. So, who is at the center of your life? Who is the Lord of your life? Who do you worship? If Jesus is Lord, it means you have totally surrendered your life to Him. If Jesus is Lord, it means there is total obedience to the Lord because His name is the Lord. A preacher once said, He's Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. Come on. Did you hear me? He's Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. Did you hear that? Yeah. So Jesus has to be Lord over everything, over my sexuality, over my finances, over my past, over my present, over my future, over my vocation, my marriage, whatever it is, Jesus is Lord. But you can't declare this until what? The Holy Spirit fills you, overflows. Do you remember that? It overflows. And then you create the room where you say, more Lord, more Lord. I don't place any limits of you. And brothers and sisters, as the Holy Spirit comes, sometimes Jesus said in John's gospel, he will convict the world of sin. So when the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, there is no place because displacement takes place. Anything that is not the Lord has to give way and surrender. Now I go to the third implication of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 22, reading from verse 17 through to 20. The Spirit cries out, Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Okay, so first the Spirit cries out, what? Abba, Father. The Spirit cries out, Jesus is Lord. And now the Spirit cries out, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Okay, we have been commissioned by Christ to announce the kingdom of God. He's given us the marching orders hmm, in our baptism and in our confirmation to be missionary disciples. And especially if you notice anytime we complete mass, the priest declares, go and announce the gospel by your life. And then what do we say? Thanks be to God. Now this is the vision that John, the beloved apostle, had on the island of Patmos. Because they were a church that was what? Living under persecution. But he was banished onto this island simply for proclaiming good news in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, in as long as there is injustice in the world, in as long as there is this rampant sin, where we call what is sin even good, right? In as long as all this is going on, the church cries out prophetically, come Lord Jesus, come. In the midst of what's going on in Minnesota, don't you agree we need to cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. Since Roe versus Wade hmm, in the United States Supreme Court, over 50 million babies aborted. We cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. Look to our church, your church, my church, with the sex abuse scandals, your sin, my sin. We don't point a finger at anybody. We what? We say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Shake the heavens and shake the earth. As we go through this COVID-19, look at everything has been shaken. Go read Hebrews chapter 12, brothers and sisters. 
and that word will convict you and convict you. Verse 25 to 29. It says, eh, there's a shaking that's taking place so that the unshakable things will remain. And so we who have been given the kingdom of God, right, which is unshakable, that is the kingdom that will remain. So we cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come each day. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So each one of us has a role to play. When you're baptized in the spirit, you have the courage to go out and announce the kingdom. To declare that Jesus is Lord. Look at the young people that are dying. Look, 70,000 people die a year of drug overdose in this country. Look at the wars that are spreading out through the world. Refugee crisis. Hmm? Immigration crisis, whatever. We cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. Okay, so now let's conclude and then we're going to pray. I hope you're doing well. Are you receiving? Are you breathing? Are you breathing where you are? So what we've discovered is that this baptism in the Holy Spirit is like a new experience, a release. I, I, just before I came here, I read something that really touched me. A book that I really like to recommend to you is As by a New Pentecost by uh, Patty uh, Gallagher Mansfield. She was one of the students who was at Duquesne University, right? And it's, a, it's an amazing book that tells the story and gives the witnesses. But th this particular thing has something to do with Milwaukee, right? Has something to do with Milwaukee. That's why I, I really felt I had to share that with you. Very powerful word because it says uh, Cardinal Sunens uh, in 1973. Uh, he, he spoke in Milwaukee. <laughs> Did you hear that? He spoke in Milwaukee. And let me tell you what he said. Uh, he said, you don't trust, uh, we don't trust him enough. That's the Holy Spirit. We say, yes, Holy Spirit, we are open to you, but not for everything. Did, did you hear that? I'm open, but not for everything. He says, don't give me this grace or don't give me that one. I will choose for myself which graces you should give me. Isn't that stupid? You tell me, isn't that stupid? God says, I want to give you graces. And you tell God, God, I don't like this one. I like that one. I choose this one. I don't choose that one. So Cardinal Sunez, he's speaking to Milwaukee right now. He says, eh, eh, we ask to be opened and then we put our baptism and all that it means in a freezer. Did you hear that? I know you have freezers in your homes. Huh? We put it in a freezer. And he says, but if we are to live normal, full Christian lives, the power that we have received at baptism has to come out of the freezer. Did you hear that? The power has to come out of the freezer. We need a release of the Holy Spirit within us. That's the baptism in the Spirit. We need to say, Lord, if you are waiting to do your work in us, we accept that. Have your way with us, Lord. Can you repeat that? Have your way with us, Lord. This is what Cardinal Sunen said. And it's so beautiful. Patty Gallagher Mansfield mentioned something here that's beautiful. It's, 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 like, it's like barbecue. I know, I know the sun is coming out. Many of you are going to start barbecuing. You see, you see, 
that you can have barbecue in your freezer, right? Seasoned everything. I can have barbecue in my freezer. Do you know the difference? Those who are baptized in the spirit, they've brought the barbecue out of the freezer. They've put it on the grill and everybody can smell it in the neighborhood that somebody's grilling. Are you with me? So you and I have the barbecue, what you call the barbecue, the, the ribs. You, you call it ribs? Yeah, the pork ribs. But if yours is in the freezer, it serves no purpose. Nobody can smell the aroma. Those that are baptized in the spirit have brought the pork ribs. They've laid it on the grill. It's smoking. The neighborhood, everybody can smell it. Brothers and sisters. Father Cantalameza says, those who are baptized in the spirit, it's like the spirit makes us smell right. Did you hear that? The spirit makes you smell right. And that is the difference. So Cardinal Sunes has said it to Milwaukee, right? Let's conclude now. Now, as we conclude, we, we want to pray. We want to pray. So I want to mention one or two things and then we'll pray. You cannot give what you do not have. Did you hear that? The Latin expression is nemo dat quod non habit. You can't give what you do not have. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit requires a lot of humility. Did you hear? Another word is docility. In order to receive this experience, you have to be humble, say humble, and docile. Okay? So humility and docility are very important graces that help us have the spirit release. But the big example is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay, do you see how humble she was? She was open. She didn't understand everything God was going to do, but she said, let it be done to me according to your word. And then at the Annunciation, she received the Holy Spirit and she conceived of Jesus. Very, very important. She was filled with the Holy Spirit at what? At the Annunciation. But guess what? Mary was so humble. Mary didn't say, I got the Spirit, I got the Spirit. And therefore, at Pentecost, she was with the 120 people in the upper room, waiting for the coming of the Spirit. She received Jesus. She gave birth to Jesus. But she was humble to be with the church guarded you remember Acts 2, 4, it says they were all filled. So Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit again. Did, did, did you get the idea about, about the overflow? She was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same Mary in the Magnificat who said, huh? you have filled the hungry with good things and the rich you have sent home empty. So if you come before the Lord and you, you are proud and you are all full of yourself, guess what? God can do anything. So let's be like Mary. Let's also be like who? Jesus. Do you remember? I mean, he was the son of God. Do you remember the baptism? When he went to John in the river Jordan, John was like, hey, I'm your cousin, dude. I don't want to baptize you. No, no, no. You know what Jesus said? Let it be so for now. Jesus, the son of God, he humbled himself. He got into the river. For John the Baptist, his cousin to baptize. What humility, brothers and sisters. So we need to be humble. Listen to how St. Francis of Assisi describes water in the canticle of the creatures. 
St. Francis of Assisi describes water as sister water. Did you hear that? He calls water sister. The son, he calls brother. Do you know why he calls water sister? Because he says water flows always from higher ground to lower ground. Okay? So for the current of grace to flow, right, it will always flow to humble areas. Okay? That's what humility is about. So, so the question I ask you is, eh, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Have you come to the end, if you like, of yourself? Have you tried everything and yet you feel empty? Then this is for you. Baptism in the Spirit is for those who are hungry and thirsty. So that's the first thing. Why is it that people can't experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Number two, inadequate preparation. In the last 40, 45 minutes, I've done a teaching from the scriptures, from the church fathers. I've told you the first eight centuries, this was normative in the church, but we lost it. So inadequate preparation, poor catechesis, the obstacles of sin. I told you about my own life. Now I'm happy to tell you I'm happily married. I've been married for 16 years now. Okay, so I tell people I have one wife and three daughters. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Because what? I came to an experience of this power of the Holy Spirit, removed sin. Now, am I perfect? Go ask my wife. And she will tell you I'm not perfect. But you know what? I'm not put down by my past. I don't focus. I'm, my life is not a sum of my weaknesses. Rather, it's, it's the power of God that is able to do far more than I, I can ever ask of you. Did you hear what I'm saying? Look at the occasions when Peter denied Jesus, what, three times. He was weak. But after Jesus' resurrection, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times. He had to affirm, St. Augustine says, the three denials were matched by the three affirmations, right? Jesus didn't look at his, his weaknesses. He said, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my lambs. Did you, did you hear that? So Jesus is about using you even in your weaknesses. So let's remove, okay, the obstacles of sin. Don't focus so much on that, on fear, on anxiety, on doubt. Well, what will people think of me? People might think I'm cuckoo. Really? Do I look like I'm cuckoo to you? People won't think you're cuckoo. You will become full, rather, of yourself. You will come alive in God. Saint Irenaeus says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Gloria Dei homo vivens. So God wants you to come alive. God wants you to flourish. So secondly, want to remove those obstacles and then lastly there must be expectation okay you don't come to God and says like Adnan whatever 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 you choose to do no you got to come with expectation like Luke chapter 11 tells us huh? he's speaking about prayer he says ask and you shall receive seek and you will find knock and the door will be what open to you. He says, you, evil as you are, you know how to give good gifts to your children. 
He says, if your son should ask for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If your son should ask for fish, will you give him a snake? Yeah, you answer that question as fathers. I, I love my children. I will not give them a, a scorpion if they, if they ask for an egg. Or give them a snake if they ask for fish. But he says, you evil as you are, you know how to give good gifts to your children. He says this, take note of this. How much more? Luke chapter 11 verse 13. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him for it? So it's yours for the asking, baby. <laughs> it's yours for the asking, baby. It's yours for the asking. Now, that scripture there is very powerful because the text in Greek says, keep on asking and you will keep on receiving. Keep on seeking and you will keep on finding. Keep on knocking, okay? So tell the Lord, Lord, I'm gonna knock and knock till my knuckles go red. Keep on knocking. And he says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it, okay? Good, so we're going to begin to pray right now. I hope you have received the word. Hopefully you've been cut to the heart. You've been challenged, all right? And you're hungry, you're thirsty. But how we're going to do this is very simple. It's something you and I know as Catholics. We renew our baptismal vows at all baptisms. We renew our baptismal vows, especially on Holy Saturday night. So I'm just going to lead you in those questions. Just position yourself well. It's six baptismal promises that we make, okay? Six of them. The first three deals with what? The negative. We don't want to have anything to do with Satan. And then the last three deal with what? Our faith, our belief, and our trust in Jesus. So proclaim it loud and strong. Could be you alone in that room, in your bedroom, in your living room. It could be a number of you sitting there. Proclaim it loud and strong. What you're saying is, I do, right? Let's try it. I do, okay? So my question to you is, do you reject Satan? I do. And all his empty promises, I do. Do you reject all his works? I do. Now, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? I do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father? Let me hear you say, I do. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I do. Do you believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? Let me hear you say, I do. Praise God. Now we've renewed our baptismal promises. You remember I said, 
baptism in the Spirit is normative because it's tied up to the sacraments of initiation. Now let's pray right now, wherever you are. One way of praying is often to open your hands like this. It's an act of surrender. What it simply means is, Lord, I'm able to give you everything you want to take, and I'm ready to receive whatever you want to bring. So just open your hands wherever you are. In this church, at your homes, wherever you are, open your hands out and tell the Lord, I want to receive, and close your eyes. Let it be on your lips. Let it be in your heart. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And as we pray right now, we ask that, Lord, you will heal. You will remove all the obstacles through this current of grace that is flowing right now. Sweep away all that does not belong. We give you permission, Lord. We surrender to your will. Fill us with your love like never before. We are thirsty for you. Only you can quench our thirst. Only you can satisfy us. As you flood our hearts with your love, pour out your gifts, the charisms into our lives, so that we can serve your body, the church. We humbly ask you to remove all pride. Make us humble servants and stewards of your mysteries. Scriptures tell us he pours out his gifts. There are different kinds of tongues. Interpretation, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, generosity, hospitality. He wants to grant us gifts so we can be apostles, we can be teachers, we can be prophets, we can be evangelists, we can be pastors. Brothers and sisters, as we pray right now, we pray for our pastors, we pray for our bishops, the successors of the apostles. But raise up, raise up, more laborers into your vineyard. We pray for holy families. We pray for fathers whose hearts are on fire with the love of God. We pray for mothers who have the courage to live by example and raise up their children. We pray for holy families, Lord. Sweep across the land. Make us good examples of your gospel. We cry out, come. Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha. And as we pray right now, we ask that, like that village in Africa, that somehow the water table will be broken. Let the water table be broken. 
so that the river of life-giving water that Jesus spoke about can overflow like a fountain. You're not created to be a pond. You're not created to be a swimming pool. You're supposed to be a current of grace that flows out and brings life. So I pray right now for courage, courage to witness to this experience of love that we have received. Close your eyes still and cry out, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to equip you with the gifts you need to serve his body, the church. Is it the gifts of healing? Is it the gift of generosity? Is it the gift of hospitality? Is it the gift of prophecy? You're called to speak the word of God to powers. To speak the word of God and live the word of God. To be a contradiction. That you just don't go with the flow. The last time I checked, it's dead fish who go with the flow. If you are a fish that is alive, you swim against the current. Thank you, Jesus. And so we ask, Lord, pour out your gifts into those homes, into those hearts. Equip us, because we need a church on fire in this day and age. As you shake the heavens and the earth, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. 